Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us through your word. We pray that you would open our minds to understand what you're saying to us now and move our hearts to respond in a way that brings you great glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just over 100 years ago, on a wet and windy night, a small gathering of 26 met to form the Bush Church Aid Society. And the first organising missioner, Sid Kirkby, wrote, a day of small things it appeared to be, and in point of numbers, carrying no great promise to those present. Well, in our reading, we read of another small thing, a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. We also read of another small thing, yeast, that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the day. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. In other words, it starts small. Jesus has in mind here a kitchen garden with its herbs and veggies, perhaps a few fruit trees or olives. Now, the mustard seed isn't necessarily the smallest of seeds, but it's fairly small and it's inconspicuous and easily overlooked. Yet when it is sown in good soil and watered, it grows into a substantial tree three or four metres high so that even the birds of the air make nests in its branches. Or think of the woman adding a small bit of last week's yeast to a dough. Now Jesus is talking about a lot of flour here, probably 22 litres worth. Yet a small amount of yeast works through the whole batch so that when it's baked, we now have bread for 100, maybe even 150 people. This is what the kingdom of God's like. It starts small and it grows imperceptibly, steadily, silently. You don't even realise it's growing until you go away, perhaps for holidays, and you come back and, oh, my goodness, hasn't the garden grown? Or it's a bit like teenagers who grow through the summer. You don't even realise they're growing until they put on their old school shoes and they just don't fit. They've grown steadily, silently. Or it's a bit like some Australian eucalypts that just keep growing, even in tough times, through drought and heat. Bush Church Aid's history is a bit like that. Those early founders in 1919 wanted to serve those in isolated parts of Australia. Yet think of the difficulties they faced. The First World War, with its terrible loss and trauma, had only just finished. The Spanish flu was now taking an even greater toll, and we know how disruptive that is. Our nation was just 18 years old, and returning soldiers were sent to dry blocks that would never be sustainable. Yet BCA's founders were committed to reaching 
all of Australia for Christ. They wanted everyone to hear of his love and of his care, of his death on the cross to pay the penalty for all the wrong things that we'd ever done, of his physical resurrection from the grave to prove that that penalty of death had indeed been paid. And they wanted everyone to hear of his gift, of his Holy Spirit, to all who believe. And they wanted every Australian to be certain of eternal life, to have the sure and certain hope of eternal life in new bodies with believers from every tribe and nation. Well, within 10 years, ministers and bush deaconesses have been sent to Manindi, Cobar, East Gippsland, the Air Peninsula and way out on the South Australian border. Hostels have been established at Wilcannia and at Mungandai so that isolated kids could go to school. Sunday school by post had been established and was now reaching 700 kids. A hospital had been set up in Sejuna and even a plane had been purchased. And most significantly, 13 students preparing for country ministry were being supported at theological colleges, eight men and five women. Yet all this started small, very small. I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but all through the Bible, we see God starting substantial and eternal things in very small and eternal and ordinary ways. Think about it. God began his people through Abraham and Sarah, who never believed they'd even have children. Abraham was over 100 years old. Then God rescued his people from famine and death through one man, Joseph, who'd been given up for dead, sold into slavery by his brothers for 20 shekels of silver. And then again, God rescued his people from slavery through Moses, who himself miraculously escaped murder in a flimsy little floating basket. And yet again, God rescued his people when they'd been captured and sent into exile by Esther an orphan and a foreigner, a nobody in many people's eyes, who ended up being a queen and who put her life on the line with the king of the empire. And ultimately, of course, God rescues his people eternally through a baby born in a cowshed, who himself miraculously escaped murder as a baby and who was later sold by one of his friends for a few shekels of silver. And whoever would have thought that a small, dispirited band of followers who'd gone back to fishing after the crucifixion would start a church that now numbers billions. God loves to make something out of nothing. Maybe an invitation to church or a Bible study. Maybe the gift of a kid's Bible or reading that kid's Bible to children. Maybe in your own life, God has taken something small and ordinary and used it when you've given it to him to grow his kingdom. God takes what we've got, no matter how small it is, when we offer it to him for his kingdom's growth. He multiplies it. Don't despise the small. God's kingdom starts with the small. God's eternal, massive kingdom 
starts with the spoon. Secondly, do you notice how the kingdom of God completely transforms? I don't know if you've ever been to a cheese factory, but into these vast vats of churned milk, they throw just a few handfuls of starter culture. Just like the yeast, it silently works through the whole. A little goes a long way, completely transforming everything. Or it's a little like the glass maker I saw down at Lake's entrance. Into the clear molten glass, she threw the tiniest piece of coloured glass, a pellet, which completely transformed the colour of the whole. So it is with the kingdom of God. It transforms. It transforms those who believe it, and it transforms those who it comes into contact with. I used to work for the Navy, and I discovered that whenever I returned from leave, the language on my floor had significantly deteriorated. But as soon as they realised I was back, it suddenly transformed. Now, I hadn't even told them I was a Christian, let alone made any comments about their language. In fact, I'd been a bit overwhelmed by the whole culture and just put my head down and got on with my work. Yet somehow my shy presence made a difference. And that's our prayer at BCA, that each of our field staff, their families, would make a transformative difference in their communities as they seek to reach Australia for Christ. Whether it will be Alfreen as she works as an Indigenous chaplain up at Kalagambone, or Ayumi as she teaches scripture up at Gorgandra, or Dale up at Redcliffs. I could go on and on, have a look at the prayer notes here. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 each one of them has got a great story. The kingdom of God transforms. Well, finally, did you notice how wonderfully delightful the kingdom of God is as the birds nest in the mustard tree with the little babies and as we share fresh, crusty bread? Some years ago, I went through a period of uh, chronic illness and was confined to bed. And outside my bed were some fuchsias. Now, the birds just love their nectar. But as you may know, uh, fuchsia flowers hang upside down on very thin and supple stems. But to get to the nectar, the birds have to come and do all sorts of upside-down acrobatics on bouncing, bending stems. And watching those birds feeding, dancing in the sun in my garden, was such a delight. It kept me going through some of my darkest days. But what a delight it is to be part of the kingdom of God with people from many nations each seeking to tell out God's glory in their cultural context. And my prayer is that each one of us watching has given back to God all that he has given us and that each one is using all that God has given us to extend his kingdom. When we make ourselves available to him, God leads each one of us the harvest fields he'd have us working through our prayers, through our gifts, through our life. And my prayer is that we would commit ourselves afresh to reaching Australia for Christ, to serving those particularly in remote, rural and regional Australia through our prayers, our gifts, our life.
as I mentioned earlier in the interview, our biggest need is people, trained and gifted people, who would go to remote and tough places like Hoobapiti or Kankari. And wouldn't it be wonderful if your parish at Emerald would provide someone, train them up and send them out to places like that? God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It starts small, it transforms, and it's an eternal delight. Whoever would have thought that out of that meeting 100 years ago, so much 